0: Sovereign is known for providing the world's best and most accurate parsing products. And now, based on that technology, comes Sovereign's artificial intelligence matching and scoring software. In fractions of a second, receive match results that provide candidates scored by fit to job. And just as importantly, the jobs fit to the candidate. Make faster and better placements. Find out more about our suite of products today by visiting Sovereign.com. That's S O V R E N. dot com. We provide technology that thinks, communicates, and collaborates like a human. Sovereign. Software so human, you'll want to take it to dinner.
1: Hide Hide your kids. kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Soash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it it hurts.
2: Complete Complete with breaking breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark.
1: Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time
3: for the Chad and Cheese Podcast.
2: Oh, yeah. It's the Monday morning quarterback edition of the Chad and Cheese Podcast, everybody. What's going on? I'm your co-host, Joel Cheeseman, joined as always by my Batman. Chad Hello. So Wash. Chad, what's going on, man? It's Monday after the first week of football. How you doing?
1: Good oh my god. I've had a whole pot of fucking coffee watching football. And yesterday I heard that the Buckeyes are going to be on the field in mid-October. It's like fucking Christmas and in, not in, in what is this? In September. Yeah.
2: I know, right? My my browns ripped it up, so I'm pretty happy about that. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, we are joined by an all-star cast of guests today. Uh, the, the Paradox boys are here. This is the super Size podcast. Head of marketing, Josh Zwayne. I think I said that right. And head of product, Adam Gotson. Boys, what's going happy on? Happy to be here. What's
3: going on, guys? <laughs> Very generous intro. The teams must have lost yesterday. You look, no, we well It just Monday. Oh. Yeah,
1: so real quick, Jay Z, because I know your your wife is a Michigan fan. That's a big boo. Uh,
3: who's 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 your NCAA? Who's your team? My team is. Yeah. I mean, I should say the Miami Redhawks because uh, yeah, <laughs> that's I, not a real but, team. Go ahead. Yeah, what's the point? Uh, <laughs> so I root for Notre Dame because um, I my brother went there for his master's and just grew up kind of watching them. So it's 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 been my team.
2: Hey, they struggled a little bit in the first half against Duke. I was real. I was, sloppy. Yeah.
1: And, <laughs> and and we know Godson is one of those Iowa fucking a cloud dudes, of dust,
2: right? baby. Here we
1: go. <laughs> who's your,
2: your protein? Uh, we're both the green
0: bay packers i live in wisconsin it's, it's basically a religion so
2: and you you should be really yeah, happy they great. after that performance dude. dude He kicked ass and took
1: names so so jay-z real quick give us a, a twitter intro about you background all that other
3: fun stuff yeah so i'm the uh, the head of marketing here at paradox uh previously was the head of marketing at a company called smash fly that was acquired by symphony talent back in november Um, Before that, I worked for a venture capital firm uh, in marketing and owned my own uh, marketing agency for a little while. And way, way back, I was a a sports journalist. That's how I got started in, in this whole kind of weird writing marketing world.
2: Covering Ben Roethlisberger, but we'll save that uh, for, a, for another day. Try, try so, not to get beat up by Ben uh, Roethlisberger. Uh, Adam, hey. Adam uh, tell the tell the folks <laughs> who you are.
0: Yeah, thanks, Joel. I've, I've had a product at Paradox uh, and joined Jay-Z about six months ago. Uh, before that, um, I'm an HR tech industry guy. So I spent nine years as CTO of CLO, uh, the RPO field. So I got a chance to see all the uh, technology that the industry has to offer and then decided to go uh, to go join one. So it's uh, it's, it's been a cool journey.
2: And, and and both of you are in the archives. So for oh, yeah. listeners who want to know more, go go check it out. We interviewed both these guys individually. So words of warning for anyone listening, by the way, Adam talks extremely
1: fast. So if you listen to podcasts at one Don't and a half times speed, you're going to want to back you're going to want to back that shit back up. So okay, <laughs> so the first question right out of the gate, this one's for Joel and for the listeners who haven't quite yet come to understand the difference between. A chatbot and conversational AI. I know the paper that Madeline did uh, goes into this uh, fairly deep. Can you guys give us a quick overview? What's the difference between a chatbot and conversational AI, or are they just the same shit? <laughs> you think this yeah, I mean the it.
0: difference is the underlying technology. So a chatbot uh, plays a lot of tennis. So. Uh, being able to to say like <laughs> if this uh, if I get this response then do that and you can kind of draw a diagram of things that are really pretty straightforward but doesn't have any natural language processing or actually understand what the person is, is having a conversation with them is is saying you see a lot of this manifested when you see a bot that's got like three buttons in it you can't type an answer it just says what would you like to do um, the yes no or maybe and and you push one of those buttons and. It really doesn't even have to be part of a chat you're not chatting. It's just a different way to, to do an interface. When you talk about conversational AI, there's a layer of understanding. So natural language processing where uh, instead of writing yes, you say sure or uh-huh or yuppers or whatever the hell you want to say. I mean people say some weird <laughs> stuff, I can tell you that, but then it understands that that's a response that is uh, an analog to yes. So, uh, being able to actually understand is the difference between just a a dumb chatbot and actual conversational AI.
1: So that that's kind of like evolved because that's what everybody was saying a chatbot was at first. Because Joel's he's really hitting on kind of like the hierarchical. You know, is it is it really just RPA versus? AI that understands what you're saying, right? NLP, that's what everybody was saying at first. This is what we have. But now we're kind of, we're trying to split those two worlds. Is that because there are a bunch of those kind of like bullshit, choose your own adventure kind of chat bots that are out there versus people who are, who are really doing the heavy lifting and conversational AI? Yeah, is there I mean, a lot of people Honestly,
0: there? what we did, it, it, I think you're right, Chad, is, is it started with people trying to do conversational AI and process language, a lot of people figured that that was really hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they said, so a lot, So then they said, yeah. you know what, let's go back and put buttons in here to direct the user and make this more straightforward. So instead of typing something, let's just put buttons that they can push. And it really created a divide because it is hard. And so companies that couldn't invest um, in natural language processing and really doing it well and, and having a um, a taxonomy of words and all the stuff that's really hard. Just went to simpler interface and said, "Just put a button in there, and, and we'll make the, the button go." So you really do see a divide now. Whereas, you know, three years ago, it was it was uh, probably a little bit more straightforward, where people are trying to figure out what um, what path to take.
3: I think too, like <clears throat> just to add on that, Adam. I think sometimes people um, from outside of this industry come into this industry and think they can solve the problem. In a very simple way um, and fail to recognize that there's a ton of nuance and gray area in recruiting and, and talent acquisition. So like that ability to understand the intent of what somebody actually wants to do is so important to actually creating real value, I think, in with this technology in this industry.
1: Well, plus marketing got involved and they were naming it whatever
2: the fuck they <laughs> wanted to name yeah, it, right?
0: marketing. <laughs>
2: always the marketing. So so talk about that, Jay-Z. Uh, you know, I'm the, I'm of the opinion that you're not what you say you are. You're what the customer says you are. And it seems like we're in a place where it, you're a chatbot, whether you want to be a chatbot or not. But does our definition of what a chatbot is evolve into something that's, you know, natural language processing and really kind of understanding? Or are you sort of locked in this whole tennis match uh, that Adam so eloquently put it. Um, is is it just like wh- let's just resort back to chatbot and hope we evolve, or like are we really going to push this sort of uh, conversational AI narrative?
3: Yeah, I think it's. I mean, narrative is kind of a nice word uh, for for reframing or repositioning something. So, you know, do people call us a chatbot? Do some of our clients even call us a chatbot occasionally? Yeah, um, and I think when people are out shopping for this type of technology, they're looking for a chatbot. Typically, you can look at search volume and search trends and see that. Um, yeah. I think the the reason we use the words that we do is I think it's important to elevate what the technology can do and maybe what the expectations for the technologies should be. Um, and so it's is it like a little bit of marketing repositioning? I would say yes, but um, but I do think there there are kind of layers of a functionality or depth of functionality that. You know, when you say chatbot, it just doesn't feel um, like it has a lot of heft there. Um, yep. When, when in reality, the technology is pretty powerful. It can do a lot of different things. So, you know, I think it's a bit of a dangerous game to get trapped into the chatbot um, world when, when you know the, the tools you you actually offer can can provide a lot more.
2: Yeah, and let's let's get this out of the way right now. You guys were sort of Olivia when you launched. Now you're really Paradox, like. How do those two brands coexist today or are you moving away from the Olivia stuff and you're just paradox now?
3: Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll tackle that one. I don't want to throw that one back at Adam. I think it's, you know, originally it was, the idea was to personify the assistant a little bit. And you see this in other technologies, obviously you have Alexa. Um, some companies don't personify it. So you have Google assistant, but we thought it was, especially in recruiting and talent acquisition, we thought it was really important to um, not necessarily trick people into thinking they're talking to a human, but give them more of a human experience. So We'll definitely stick with the Olivia um, kind of branding, but the the positioning as a business is Paradox. So Paradox is the company. We view Olivia as as the product itself, and Olivia has a bunch of skills where she can... um, help companies and, and candidates do a bunch of different things.
2: And curious to go back, obviously, COVID has changed how you guys work. I just just sort of a check in on how things are going at the company, how things have changed for you guys, either both from a product and marketing perspective, or just a personal perspective. I know you're both working from home. I think you should ask Adam that question, because his first day was, I think, when the whole country got <laughs> shut true. down. That is so.
0: true. That uh, it is was, true. It was a unique experience to, to do that. But um, really, we've reacted quickly to the way that companies have changed. So there was a Period of uh, brief uncertainty, of course. No one really knew what the hell was going to happen, but we moved really quickly to add uh, features that would help with automation and what our clients were going through. So we quickly added things like uh, a whole bunch of a whole knowledge base of intents around COVID. So Com- employees looking to ask uh, things about how the company is dealing with remote work, uh, how, what safety things are in, are in, uh, uh, in play that, that are going to help me as an employee stay safe. So we added a whole bunch of things there. We added a virtual events platform in March, April. We added mm-hmm. video interviewing so uh, companies can have that richness of experience. So we've been able to react really quickly to uh, what, our, what our customers are asking. And that's one you know, of the joys of being a, a small and agile company. Um, as a company ourselves we've been remote since uh, since March and uh, we, we will be through the end of the year mm-hmm. as well um, and I, I think we found it to be really productive <laughs> so uh, there's a, there's a lot of great things about being in an office but our team has been able to adapt really well to, to being able to collaborate virtually and, and do the things that that we can do there we still miss seeing you know customers being able to, to see each other and collaborate but uh, it's been it's been a good experience. Yeah.
2: Daisy, what do you do with that conference budget that's now uh, being <laughs> redirected? Well, I'm going to throw it at all these these fancy the podcast
3: advertising, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I mean, it's yeah that that whole thing has been really interesting. You guys were on the conference circuit for, I mean, yeah. what like every week you were going somewhere. So it, that's been the hardest thing as a marketer is figuring out where to um, kind of place the brand and where to invest those dollars because. I don't know. There's some. I don't know what your your opinion has been of some of the, the virtual replacements for these events, but um, some have been
2: pretty good. I thought Smash Live's event was really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, if you have, them, you need a virtual DJ and a mixologist for sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can't go wrong.
3: But I think there. So many of these events are still figuring out how to deliver an actual engaging experience. You just get there and you sign up and you you leave after an hour because it's somebody just talking to you the whole time. So.
2: So where are you putting those dollars? I can't tell you that. I'm going to give away all my secrets. <laughs> Let's switch a little bit. We're talking about what
1: companies are looking for now. That's that's obviously changed. Let's talk about adoption because what we've what we've what we've seen and what we've heard thus far is that COVID has pushed the slow moving industries even faster to be able to adopt technologies to help them get to probably where they should have been already. Are you guys seeing that? Are you seeing adoption? What's the big change from the ask from organizations now that most of their people uh, are remote and the whole recruiting onboarding process is changing
3: for them too? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, um, I'll have Adam talk about um, our product usage, which we've seen pretty dramatic spikes um, over the last few months. But in terms of what companies were looking for, I think it started out in March, April with um, needing to do more with less. You had teams that were furloughing recruiters or uh, recruiting coordinators, recruiting teams. So now you didn't have anybody to schedule interviews. Um, You didn't have anybody to screen resumes or applicants that were coming in. So it was figuring out how you could use technology to, to get more done. I think that's still true, but I think you're now starting to see companies come back and say like, okay, well, we, we can automate, but let's not lose the experience. Um, we don't want to start treating candidates like shit again. So, you know, make sure that they can kind of balance the two. In terms of adoption, I mean, I think we've seen um, pretty incredible adoption and results from, from clients, which you can get into a couple of case studies if you'd like, but Adam could talk more about what we've Yeah, in talking with
0: prospects and clients, uh, a lot of them have the chicken and egg problem of now they've got to do twice as much work with half the budget. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, a lot of, a lot of yeah. recruiters went um, when, when COVID first hit. Uh, and then uh, it's just been the spark for, okay, now we've got to really be more efficient at this um, and, and uh, be able to figure out touchless recruiting and be able to figure out how do we screen people without doing a bazillion uh, phone interviews that are really inefficient. How can we get to the, the best candidates fastest? Um, and then making them feel comfortable and answering their questions as well. So I, I think we've seen some some good spark that's helped move us along.
1: This is an entirely new touchless type of uh, recruiting, a social distancing type. So let's let's talk a little bit about that with regard to scale, because once again. Companies that haven't adopted tech, they had enough people on the ground to be able to quote unquote scale. They really didn't, but they, they pretty much overworked their people. They don't have those people now, right? They're going to have to scale up so quickly, not just in their recruiting departments, but across the entire organization. Is that it? are you guys talking mainly about scale? Is that an issue that companies are even bringing to the table or is that something that you're bringing forward that they don't, they're not even thinking about it.
0: (laughs) Um, I I think they're looking at the the team that used to exist and thinking how the hell are we going to do this? Uh, And so so thinking about um, how we can bring that to them. And, And that's one of the beautiful things about, about technology is, you know, I think about breaking recruiting down to its most fundamental level. It's about conversations, and all the things we put in place—an application, and a screening, and a second screening—are all there because you want to filter the number of conversations you have to only the best conversations. Well, if you can actually automate conversations, then you can ha- you can really talk to everybody. And so, I think being able to scale is, is what conversation AI is really all about.
3: Yeah, I think too. Like there there are plenty of companies that haven't laid off their recruiting teams. Um, So I can't name the company that um, I'm thinking of, but what what has happened with this company is they didn't lay anybody off, but they started like really evaluating the efficiency of their process and looking at what humans were doing that they didn't need to do. So I think it's like the whole COVID thing has really shined a spotlight on, um, are we doing this in the most effective way possible, Um, which then leads them down the path, I think, to discover this type of technology and what it can do. But It's this, like, you know, kind of instantaneous awareness of, like, oh my gosh, there actually is something out there that can make this experience a whole lot better for everybody.
2: Curious in regards to experience, how do most. Candidates or job seekers use the service. Are you finding that they come through most through? I mean, a web browser, a mobile browser, or is it sort of straight SMS? I mean, how do how do how are people using the product most? If you had to break yeah, it down it, in it, percentages, it's used
0: a ton based on the use case. So we've got clients like uh, like McDonald's, uh, where the most common use case is when you you know you and I were uh, teenagers, we walked into McDonald's and asked for an application, and now they point to the sign that says uh-huh. text applied at 25,000. Uh, and so we see a ton of traffic at the, at the hourly level on SMS. That's the majority of our, our traffic. Uh, and they engage with Olivia that way. Um, mm-hmm. When it comes to corporate, more corporate jobs, um, we see a lot of engagement on career sites. And so that's still majority web, but overall, we are majority mobile.
2: Gotcha. And what, what's sort of a prediction um, for the, the SMS companies, you know, the emissaries, the text recruits, um, that sort of have a manual process. Like, do you think there'll always be a space for that manual SMS conversation, or do you think that automation will eventually push Certainly those guys out of business? Uh,
0: and so, there's there's always a space for conversations. I think uh, it depends on um, the scale opportunity. Uh, so, some some may want to have those conversations really uh, personally and be able to do that at the scale that they've got. Small small businesses, for example. Um, they don't want to automate that, uh, and so I think there's a there's a, third there space there. There's oxygen in the room for for all types of applications.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. I think I think the the big thing is um, flexibility with the within the conversation. So what we found is that candidates when they come into whether they start via SMS or they start on a career site, they usually have like multiple goals with the conversation. It's either to find out more about the company, what do they pay, um, what jobs they have open, maybe they actually want to apply to the job. Um, sometimes it's to check on the status of an application. So it's it's never kind of binary. Um, so I think those companies where the conversation is kind of one direction, one path, like they're going to have to change to meet the demand of, of the market. And I think the market's going to start to demand more flexibility within the conversation.
1: So let's talk about the hire, the Alexa in Google Home process. So so the old process, you guys weren't around, you guys weren't around when this, when this launched. So you guys, you you get, you know, you get safe Haven for at least what, what happened then the assistant in itself, the old process, you tell the assistant that you want to search for job at McDonald's. Then you give it your mobile number. Then it texts you a link that sends you to the old ass applicant tracking system. And you have to go through that process. Now I understand. That's better than pointing at a sign and saying, give me a paper application and filling it out on pen and paper in the location. Totally get that. But that's still a shit process. What have you guys done to evolve it? Because you do have conversational AI. And if you do have their number, they've already opted into conversations and you guys can get so much data from them. What are you guys doing today? And what,
3: what kind of numbers can you share with us? Yeah, I'll share um, some, some backstory or kind of history first, and then I'll let Adam get into oh, the success we've seen. You're going to make like, excuses. I can No, feel not it. excuses, <laughs> but like, I, I think he's marketing. Yeah, I think I think you, um, Chad, your experience that you had um, was real. Like that is that certainly was part of one kind of direction of the experience. But even back uh, when we launched originally, you could apply to a job almost completely through Alexa, as long as we were controlling the job. If we had to kick it to... And outside ATS, which is sometimes what happens with these large corporations is they have franchisees that have their own tools, their own systems. So we had to kind of integrate within that ecosystem. Then, you know, obviously, it's, you know, it's gonna be one experience in one direction, one experience in another. What what I think we've started to see as we've grown our relationship with McDonald's is... Um, we started to kind of take over more of their jobs, and we're working with more of their franchisees. So now the experience is more seamless. You don't get kicked to an ATS; you can apply directly through Olivia, and it goes all the way out, you know, through to offer and onboarding. So Adam can talk about that, but it's it has evolved quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I want to hear from Adam because Adam built a system when he was at Cielo that I always talked about on the podcast, and it was specific. High volume and he put some good shit together. So what, give me, give me some of the good stuff that you're doing today, Adam, and what can we, what can we look for in the future with, uh, with this product? Yeah, there's lots of good, good
0: good shit, as you say, good shit coming, uh, (laughs) to be able to, um, (laughs) automate for, for recruiters, um, in, in high volume spaces. So I think what we found in high volume spaces is that kid experience and speed, are really the same thing. <laughs> and so it's about how, how fast can we make yeah. this happen? How can we not do it in a way that's overly complicated? And how do we do it so it's using the mobile device, which is the only computer most of those uh, individuals own? Um, and so Jay-Z's right that on the uh, in the um, Alexa applications, the, the franchise architecture can be really difficult to, to, to handle. Um, but as we think about both franchise and uh, sort of store-owned high volume, uh, being able to get candidates in really quickly, and be able to do things in some parallel paths. So for example, on on McHire, Olivia um, uh, Olivia's going to ask some minimum qualification questions, get someone uh, qualified, and then schedule the interview while the person fills out their application. And so being able to do those things in parallel allows them to get uh, the interview scheduled while, and, and not have to wait. Uh, and what we've been able to do is cut down a lot of the waiting time. So um, it used to take 14 days to get hired at a McDonald's, and now it takes three. Uh, and so what was cut out was a lot of waiting. The person waiting to look at the application, waiting to schedule the interview, waiting between the interviews, waiting for the decision to happen. And because we're using text messaging and uh, all mobile web, they're able to schedule the interview, get an offer, accept the offer, fill out their paperwork, all those things on their phone, and just get to work faster. Uh, and for restaurant owners get employees faster we get we get feedback from them saying this job's actually fun when I'm fully staffed <laughs> and be able to uh, to enjoy that
1: give me some stats around that though I mean that's that's a huge compression in time where are you seeing the biggest the biggest points of compression because I know before when you build a system that you could within seven minutes have somebody scheduled for an interview yeah, what the it compression really is
0: around that that initial um, uh, Part of the interview to or, or the application to be able to screen them, to get scheduled without having to have the person review. So the ability to have them sk- just schedule on that calendar without waiting for the manager. Because that was where a huge amount of the time has, was, was previously for um, at the front of the process is waiting for the manager to get around to it amongst all the other things that they that they have to do. Uh, that that's area one. And area two that I didn't solve for before is on the post uh, accept. So all the onboarding things. Um, it's just it's, – it's typically a mess where people are going to get um, yes. emails from different systems and just this this rat's nest of things for the employee to do, and they just can't figure it out. And so some of them give up and, and punt uh, like the Browns. Uh, others will, will not, and they'll just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I think being able to solve for that and actually get people to work is is the other thing that's been really important
1: well, that was a boo for the browns by the way that and but browns fans are used to that so not not a big deal
2: uh, a yeah. quick reminder adam i have this list of really hard <laughs> questions that, that we could get into uh before you, you make another another comment uh curious you guys where, where are you with voice voice apply like is this is that really going to happen Do you, are you guys really spending a lot of resources around it are you seeing growth is it too early to tell? I assume you're not going to throw it under the bus, but I'm just curious what your thoughts are on on voice apply. Yeah,
0: the the technology is pretty good, and so we have voice apply, and, and you can g- uh, go to career sites like like Citizens Bank and, and find Olivia there, the uh, uh, Jamie they they call it, uh, and find voice. Um, but so voice, the technology is 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 pretty good. Um, the adoption is uh, still gaining momentum. So people's comfort with having with using voice, having voice. Um, interactions is still growing. So, from a traffic perspective, we see most of it come still in in
2: traditional ways. Is it a marketing challenge? Is it going to take McDonald's to have a commercial with, hey, apply on Alexa for this thing to happen?
3: Yeah. I mean, they they did some press around the whole apply-through thing. And I do think there's a ton of potential there. I I actually think voice is, at least right now, much more powerful for the frontline manager in an hourly restaurant um, or retail situation. So, um, think about somebody who works in a McDonald's who's constantly on the move. They've got their phone in their pocket and they need to cancel an interview, or reschedule an interview. Like they don't want to go back to the little desktop that's in a tiny little closet in the back room um, and sit down and do that. They should just be able to pull out their phone and say, you know, in our case, hey, Olivia, I need to reschedule my interview at two, two o'clock and it's just done. It's taken care of. So I think that's the the more powerful kind of you know near term use for, for voice. I don't know that candidates... When they think about applying to jobs, I don't know that that behavior change has happened yet. Where they think like, oh, OK, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Alexa and I'm going to apply uh, with my voice. They, they, they're they still programmed to go fill out a really long ATS application. So right. the first version is like just getting them comfortable with the idea that they can actually apply via text. Um, voice, you know, I kind of see is as, as something that happens a few years down the road. So
2: we have a long way to go on that one. It's what, what
3: I'm hearing. Yeah, I think so.
2: Let's talk about uh, virtual events, you, which you guys are doing now. Are, are real-life events ever going to come back, um, or do you think virtual events will be sort of the norm even post-COVID? Yeah, I think it's going to be yeah the norm, personally.
0: I think some of each, to be honest. like I, I think people do like uh, seeing, seeing folks in person, but... It's hard. It's hard to argue with the effectiveness of some of the virtual events. Uh, you know, ours has a uh, Olivia can chat and pre-screen. The recruiter can have some uh, quick interaction via text message or, or web chat, and they can also flip to live video uh, to be able to to confirm that that we're all good and have that emotional connection. Uh, we get reports from companies hiring 100, 200 people in a couple hours event. Um, it's hard to argue with the results and the overhead to. Do the old thing where you rent a hotel ballroom or, or whatever it is to set up these big expensive events. So I, I think there will be some, but I think it'll be
1: significantly less. I, th- I think staffing in RPO are going to make a surge when things start to scale because there are going to be many, uh, many of these organizations, town acquisition. They're going to believe that they're ready, but they're going to find out they're they're not. Are you saying, especially Adam, because you, you were definitely in this in this arena? Do you think that staffing and RPO are ready for this? or do you think they're just as ill-prepared as talent acquisition professionals?
0: I think there's a few different paths, to be honest. I think there are some staffing and RPO firms that are a little old school um, and are going to get blindsided. Uh, And I think that there Mm -hmm. are some that are more forward thinking and are ready to go. So I think you'll find a couple of paths. I think regardless, there's always some of the incentives that conflict where um, in staffing, you get Paid, um, you know, it's oftentimes based on your labor or an RPO. You're 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 paid on the number of hours someone works or number of employees you have working on an account. Um, The more efficient you get, that can be a a bit of a conflict of interest. And so it's not they're not easy questions. It requires some forward thinking to think about the strategy that those organizations are going to have.
1: Well, you guys kept your high volume pretty much as a part of your process, and you didn't really productize it, right? Unlike. Alexander Mann Solutions and, and our buddy Quincy with Hourly, do you think they will start to press those products out forward so that companies know that they can engage faster and that they have the tech?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it's sort of you know choosing whether or not you want to uh, really target a specific market and go hard after one thing or whether that becomes part of your um, holistic offering in most of the things. So um, for example, you know Cielo has a lot of healthcare. So at a hospital, you're hiring um, high volume workers to work in the cafeteria and in environmental services and other, other hourly jobs. Mm-hmm. But they have also hiring nurses and doctors and physical therapists, those, those types of things. So I think it matters some on the mix of business whether it's going to be pure in the, in the space if we're hiring high volume or hourly workers or whether it's going to be a, a more substantial mix.
2: I know one of the, the early criticisms uh, that, that Paradox had in Olivia was sort of the integration question and, you know, to what degree do you integrate with ATSs and, you know, it's never really going to happen for you guys until that happens. So I'm curious about the integration strategy, how that's going, what it's meant to the business um, and what the future looks like from that from that perspective. Well, I was gonna say Adam could talk from a product strategy perspective, but I think from a
3: like a go to market perspective, um, we've we've from the very beginning um, kind of intentionally been ecosystem friendly. So um, Aaron has always talked about um, Olivia, his vision for Olivia being this communications layer between a company and its people, and to be able to do that, you have to integrate with the ATS, sometimes the HCM, you know, oftentimes the CRM. So. Like, I, we have not played favorites, and we've we've have open APIs, and have always played integration friendly. The question, as you guys know, is sometimes those larger ATS vendors or HCM vendors don't want to play friendly back. They have their own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's it's that constant like tug of war, and sometimes it's client driven. Right? If you have a huge Fortune one hundred client, and they're paying you know insert ATS name millions of dollars a year, they have some leverage, and and so sometimes it's working through that client to. Um, create some uh, relationship that didn't exist before. But, you know, our, our motivation has always been not to force clients to rip and replace. If we can kind of fit into their workflow and integrate with their tools and make change management a little bit easier, then that's definitely the goal.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we, we spend, uh, <laughs> I spend personally a, a lot of time on integration. Uh, we have uh, made some good strides there. Even in the last six months, uh, we have lots of ATS integrations, background checks, um, I9, Watsy, all the integrations you'd expect. Um, we actually built our own integration middleware to help us um, make integrations faster and easier as well. Of course, we've had an open API and we also have a team to do it um, of, of integration specialists. Um, and that's because it's, really often difficult to wait for our clients to be able to execute that work. And so we just raise our hand to say, actually, we'll do it. Uh, we don't have to wait, wait for you guys to do it. We'll write the scripts. We'll, we'll be able to, to push in. We'll, we'll make the API connection the data transformations in order to do that, um, just because we know it helps us strategically move faster and get the results uh, more quickly.
2: So we know that, that platforms are incredibly powerful from, you, you mentioned ATS CRM. Obviously, you're moving upstream to integrate with them. Um, Jay-Z, you mentioned open APIs. Is there ever going to be a day where you guys, uh, the, the conversational AI slash chatbots become platforms for people to come build stuff on your systems, as opposed to you always building, uh, to ATSs and CRMs? Like, is that something the future holds?
3: What we're always open to is, is most of what we work on. Um, I shouldn't say most of what we work on. A lot of what we work on is client driven. So if a client brings a really interesting use case to us that we see, you know, application for across um, multiple clients and we'll go and build it. So, you know, some of it I think is, um, you know, it would be nice to have that, that kind of integration between um, Olivia and, and different tools that are used and have everybody kind of live through Olivia. But we don't necessarily want to force that on people either. If, if the recruiters live in Workday, then, you know, let them, let them continue to work in Workday. And Olivia can just work outside of that or work with it.
0: I was saying the paradigm of like open systems versus closed systems, you know, we definitely bias towards open. Uh, and so we want to be open. So a good example is uh, video interviewing. So um, certainly that's become hot. We have uh, an app or an integration with... Zoom, Teams, Skype for Business, BlueJeans, uh, WebEx. uh, But then if someone has none of those, uh, then we also have our own native uh, as well. And so we're not precious about any of that. It's all about solving problems for the client.
1: And $40 million in your pocket doesn't hurt either. Hey, guys, really appreciate you stopping by. Again, Josh Zwayne, Jay-Z, and Adam Godson over at Paradox. If... People want to find out a little bit more about you guys, maybe connect with you, or I don't know, maybe this whole Olivia thing you're talking about. Where, where should they go?
3: Yeah, the website is Paradox.ai. I think by the time this podcast publishes, we'll actually have a new uh, fancy looking website. So um, give us feedback. Let us know if uh, you can Hell find all the yeah. And go Browns, by the way.
2: <laughs> Hell yeah to that Hell too, yeah. baby.
3: Excellent, dude. We appreciate it, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. We, we out. out.
2: Thank you for listening to Podcasts with Chad and Cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We out. You've
0: got questions. We've got answers. Business Leadership from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.